In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. And I, uh, I don't, don't know. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's all right. If you have a link for sharing, you can put it up before or after or during. No matter. It's just an extra link that I like to give to people. It makes me feel as if I'm providing them with more things, even though it's just like another link. You know, it's okay. It's good. Okay, cool. So, good to know. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't set it up ahead of time, but I will. Will uh, yeah. once, once everything's put together. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life podcast i have a great show for you today but before i get into my great show i hope that those people listening are aware that we live in profound times and times of change and even though times of change can be tumultuous it's filled with opportunity and for those of you listening out there right now i hope you know that today is going to be a beautiful day i hope you understand that the opportunities are around you and that these are transformative times and I'm bringing hopefully to you the transformative people that I see can help you out. I got the incredible Matt Simpson today. He's a, speaking of transformative journeys, he's someone who's gone from self-abuse to self-discovery. He was ignited by meditation and psychedelics, fueled by love. He walked away from societal norms to become a voice of the voiceless offering inspiration for those seeking healing and growth. He's a testament to the profound possibilities that unfold when one takes an earnest step towards their dreams. He's written multiple books. He's been an avid speaker. He has his own podcast, and he's full of awesome information. We're going to get into it today. Matt, thanks for being here today, my friend. How are you? Doing wonderful. Thank you for that gracious introduction, George. Uh, appreciate you and the work that you're doing, and thank you for having me on your show today. I'm excited you're here. You know, it's it's worth the fight, Matt. It's worth the fight. Maybe you could give us a little bit of a background. You know, maybe, maybe you could talk a little about who you were before you became who you are. Yeah, I appreciate that uh, that question. Um, you know, I, I before I, I've come to this path of of service, um, and I've only written one book. Uh, I'm going to be be working on the second one. Okay, all right. Um, you know, I was I did the corporate America thing in Chicago, and and um, 
you know, I was seeing some, some really disturbing trends. Uh, the more that I followed our societal definition of success, the sicker I became. Um, it was my 35th birthday, which was uh, October 16th, 2014. I sold a business that I was working on for seven or eight years. And um, immediately, while I was supposed to be hooting and hollering and staying out late with this new national company and, and supposed to be thinking about all the money and responsibility and all of the possibility on my career path, all I could think about was this path of service that I'm on right now. Uh, two months later, I was down in the jungles of Costa Rica, Costa Rica having a, a huge uh, heart opening breakthrough uh, healing journey with ayahuasca to get into my nervous system to heal the childhood sexual trauma at root of my depression, my addiction, my drinking, my materialismitis. I used to be a big kind of suit and tie boss guy and and where where I had this air of superiority uh, and, and kind of, you know, I'm better than you. Um, and, and I was disconnected, um, inability to really connect on a heart and soul level with, with intimate partners. And that drove me to the jungles of Costa Rica, uh, for a healing ritual with ayahuasca. And that, you know, set in motion, this wondrous path, uh, that I'm on right now. And, and, uh, from that, that healing retreat weekend, late 2014, early 2015, I had a visionary experience where I could see the path. I could see a way out of the personal hell that I'd created. And, um, you know, I'd worked for all of 2015 to essentially leave corporate America on, on good footing and, and to uh, untangle myself from the mess that I'd created so I could walk away. There was a buyout included, so I kind of had to, you know, so I'd get, get my money. Um, and, and then I walked away from corporate America and my career on December 9th, 2015. And I, and I, and I haven't looked back and, um, that, that, led to an 18 month travel journey where I traveled around the world with, with, with virtually nothing but a backpack and, and, um, and month 17 of this 18 month, tra uh, travel journey, I came across in healing journey. Really. I came across this veteran collective soul healing mission. And I just knew then and there that this is my life's work. This is the work that I'm here to do. And, uh, that has inspired, uh, worth the fight and, uh, yeah, the rest is, is history or the present. I love it. It's, it's interesting. When you look back, and you've been really honest, I appreciate that. When you look back and, and you see the, the form that you were, you had mentioned like this air of superiority and this idea of materialism. And it, 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 and it seems on some level, like we, we, we follow the path of the caterpillar where we just consume as much as possible. And we feel like this, we deserve to have this. And we, we have this cause we're better than these people. And obviously we've made better choices. That's why we have more money than them. Right. Cause we're smarter than them. You know, like we, we go down this path of like consumption equals success on some level. And, and sometimes when we, when we, when you go and you have that journey and you break open, you look back and, what is the feeling when you look back on that? Sometimes I, I, I get mad at myself because I had my own similar journey where I went through all those same emotions. But at some point in time, you get to this place of radical acceptance where you're like, you know what? That was necessary. That had to happen that way so that I could become the person I am today. Is that an insight that you had? Or when you look back on it, what are some of the things that you feel? Yeah. You know, I've given a lot, a lot of thought to this. Um, love the question. And, um, you know, I was lacking gratitude, mm. uh, all this, this, I've had to learn peace. I've had to learn right. patience. I've had to learn gratitude. I didn't have that in my, my former, 
uh, incarnation as a corporate America suit and tie guy. Um, you know, it was, it was, um, I, I made money very easily, uh, way more money than, than, um, like, you know, the, the corporate America positions versus, um, you know, teachers and, and law enforcement, you know, the, yeah. the people, the medical professionals, uh, the frontline workers, et cetera. Um, and, and there was, there was very little gratitude and, and mm-hmm. all of that was a projection of unhealed trauma. Right. And, um, you know, I've had to reconcile that and that's been really hard. And, and, and yeah, I had this big, big buyout and, and hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. And, um, you know, in, in, in all honesty, I gave away a good portion of that. It just felt like blood money. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this away to better healing. And here we go. This is going to, going to sponsor a, a, a hundred or 150 healing retreats. Yeah. So that was, that was a little bit reckless. And, and, and maybe I, uh, overestimated my ability to uh, make this path of service sustainable, uh, but I had to go broke too. I had to run out of freaking money. I it, it, and and the last yeah. uh, ten years, or really since then, and and things. I'm in a really good p- place right now. I love my love my work. I'm, I'm an empowerment life coach, a psychedelic integration coach, a microdose mentor, um, and and I'm I'm starting to thrive. Uh, you know, and, and, but it's been a long freaking journey <laughs> to get back to this position. And uh, yeah, I had, I had to lose it all. And it almost felt like, you know, that scene in Game of Thrones where, where I, I think Siri is her name, where the, she gets dragged through the mud in front of everybody. Yeah. And, yep. and it's like, that's kind of like been my last <laughs> many, many years. And, and granted, I, I'm in a really good place right now. Business is good. My impact is, is, is um, growing. And, uh, but, but it felt as though, and this idea that, um, you know, the universe doesn't excuse, uh, ignorance. Um, <laughs> I thought that, that, Hey, you know, I'm doing this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I have good intentions, good aspirations, but it's like, you know, that, 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 you know, that, that saying that, that debts need to be paid and, and, um, yeah, that, that. Again, you know, my mistreating other people and, and uh, yeah, those things, I, I had to confront those. And it was a much longer, I guess, arduous path than I would have ever envisioned. That's why a lot of people don't take it, I think, because there is a surrender that comes with like, I'm going to take some beatings right here, but I need them or I deserve them or I'm willing to take them. I'm willing to take the hits. Cause I believe in the bigger mission. I'm going to listen to my heart and I'm going to take these hits. I got to, you know, it, there's something to be said about a scar. You know, if you see somebody with a scar, like that guy's got a story, you know, but unfortunately before things become a scar, they're an open wound and open wounds hurt a lot. And you don't want to show them to people because you're embarrassed by them. But ultimately those wounds become scars, scars become stories and stories become the light in which other people can follow. So it's, it's just that journey that happens, you know, as someone who is a, also a, uh, been abused as a kid, I spent a lot of time blaming my, my, my behavior in my early adult life on what happened to me in the past. You know, it was an easy way to rationalize poor behavior. And that's something that I had happen to me in a break. So like, wait, what am I doing? I'm just blaming that. Like, okay, look, I, you know, at some point in time, I need to come to terms with what happened 
and get away from the anger out of it. Maybe if you're willing to talk about it, can you explain the the way in which you were able to integrate this this these things that happened to you earlier in life through your was it through an ayahuasca session or multiple sessions or maybe you can explain the integration process of what was going on in your mind and how you figured out how to move you know move through it. Yeah, um, this for, first off comes to mind: hurt people, hurt people. And until we address uh, our, our traumas, we're going to perpetuate these on and project these on to others. Um, yeah, it's been a long, arduous journey of healing. Um, I guess it all started in my early 30s when I confronted my family about the childhood sexual trauma that happened to me. I was tired of my parents, like, uh, it, you know, living this kind of fantasy about a childhood that, that just wasn't accurate with, with my experience. It was kind of a confabulation. So I got everybody together saying, Hey, let's have a real raw conversation. I got my parents together and they, you know, hadn't been in the same room for 10 or 20 years since they got divorced. And, and it was just a real, like, Hey, this is my truth. I, I don't want to carry this. This is our yeah. family's burden. We can all carry this together. And uh, so, so that really set in this moment, this, this journey um, of, of, of truth and, and committing to the truth. And, and being uh, open to accepting um, whatever consequences, just knowing that, again, I don't, don't want to carry this. And uh, years later, you know, profound healing with, with psilocybin that started this, this, uh, this journey of introspection and meditation yeah. and, and then, you know, feeling safer to, to you know, whoa, I didn't know there was something stronger than psilocybin. <laughs> I'm on the next freaking plane to Costa Rica to see what's up. And, uh, and that was kind of my mindset and, and, and to, to be rewarded with a, with a, a, an incredible healing journey. And, and the integration was so mm. gosh, darn challenging that that ultimately has inspired me to write a 308 page psychedelic integration book. My book, Worth the Fight, Acting for a Better World, A Guide to Spirituality, Psychedelic Medicines, and Overcoming Trauma. Um, because I struggled so much and I was thinking, geez, there's going to be a lot of people coming to the medicine. And, and we have to integrate these experiences back into our day-to-day -day lives. And um, there was just a, a big, big gap with integration. So, so uh, you know, again, that's been my what and why uh, to, to help kind of uh, point out the predictable pitfalls and, and um, you know, hey, that, that, that we can have this incredible psychedelic journey and, and uh, this visionary experience, this deep catharsis, letting go. Um, but then, you know, like Jack Cornfield says, after the ecstasy, the laundry, <laughs> how do we integrate this again back into the day-to-day and uh, what are the practices that we can do on a day-to-day -day basis? Because we can't go to Costa Rica every six months or every three to six months, or maybe we shouldn't, and we shouldn't be blasting off. These, these medicines are so sacred that, that um, I think that, that having a, um, you know, again, holding them with deep, deep reverence and knowing that there's other ways that we can access this, these states of consciousness through meditation, through prayer, through mindfulness, through contemplative journaling, through time out in nature, through a transformative breath work, the Wim Hof method, and uh, cold exposure, the list goes on and on. There's so many different um, integration modalities and he that are further healing modalities that I think that the, the psychedelic medicines are trying to teach us, trying to inform us that, that we have other ways to access this. This is just a doorway within and uh, the psychedelics are a powerful way to access that doorway almost on command. Yeah. Um, but but again, there's, there's other ways that, that might be more sustainable. Uh, yeah.
Yeah, it's fascinating. And, you know, I, I think I would do, I got to send a shout out here to our friend Randall Hansen, Heal. When we talk about, talk, yes. when we start talking about different modalities and psychedelics and forest bathing and breath work. Like there, there are a lot of different ways in which you can access a different perspective on the things that happened in your life. I think for both of us, we have a relationship with psychedelics that has been transformative. Do you remember what it was that that called to you from psychedelics or what you were attracted to? Or what did it, did your relationship with them begin as like a recreational use as a young guy? Or what, what was your relationship with them like? Yeah, yeah. The um, You know, I, I didn't feel safe having psychedelics in my 20s. I was around it. My friends, they were doing MDMA. And I was even in the same house and I would like walk by their parties and everybody's all blissed out. And I'm like <laughs> the guy that's like working 50 hours a week. And, and like, I just, I didn't feel safe. And, and um, you know, maybe that would have been an amazing time. Maybe that would have opened up, um, you know, my nervous system to do some deep healing earlier that could have changed the whole trajectory of my life, but it didn't happen. I never felt safe um, to, to do that. Um, had some really profound experiences with cannabis that were like, I mean, that, that weren't good, you know? So it's like, I was just like, all right, this is, this is too much. And, um, in my early thirties, I think I was 33 when I first had psilocybin, uh, 33 or 34. And I felt safe. I was with, um, uh, you know, my friends, you know, Molly and, 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 uh, T and uh, we were we were out on, on a boat and 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 this, you know, a person I knew from a prestigious business club was, you know, like all, it felt aligned. It felt safe. Yeah. And um, so so having that first handful of, of of mushrooms and having this mystical type experience um, coming out of the middle of nowhere when, you know, uh, it felt like I had an extension cord coming out of my hip. It was plugged into the earth and I can feel <laughs> for the first time in my life. It was really profound. And I, I always joke about the set and setting. And because that same night, uh, my friend T and, and he, he took the same amount of, we took, we all took the same amount of mushrooms and he was obsessively cleaning his fridge in, in, in on his boat. And while I'm sitting here, like bathing in this mystical goodness. <laughs> and I remember like looking up, I'm like, hey, like, dude, that's the ninth time you've wiped down the ketchup. Like, <laughs> freaking bead. Like, take a breath. And, um, and, and yeah, of, of course, there was something that had to emerge that night that, that did. And that was on September 4th, 2014. And wow. I had, I had 15 beers that day. It was a Monday night. It was a Labor Day. It was, that's what we do. We're out on the water. It's beautiful. The, the, you know, the, 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 the Mexican beers were going down. So yeah. like, but still there was this emergence that had to happen. And then from that, I, I I've taken my path and, you know, the spiritual path. And then I started meditating more and um, but yeah, the, the recreational use uh, that was, that was a big part of uh, coming to the path and going to concerts yeah. and the foster of the people yeah. on mushrooms. Like, Oh my goodness, was that amazing. <laughs> and, and we're, we're talking probably, a gram or a gram and a half. Sure. And, um, but, but yeah, you know, uh, Trey band, uh, Trey Anastasio and like, like, holy snap. Uh, and some of these, these experiences that I had that I, that I might not do if the same, 
uh, scenario were presented, I, I might pass on that. Maybe I would take a half gram if Foster the People came out of retirement and I was like, this, you know, I don't know. Um, but I just have a lot more reverence for these medicines now. And, and, um, and, and, and yeah, that's, that's my thought process. But re recreation is a huge part of people coming yeah. to this path. And I think that that sometimes that that has the, this emergence of healing that that where it's not going to affect everybody, and that can be a catalyst and be a time because it's such a big part of our society. It's so pervasive. People are doing these medicines recreationally at parties, at um, at concerts, at music venues all over the all over the nation. Yeah, it's on some level. I while there's always potential for abuse in anything or people to use things the wrong way. It's been my experience that recreational use on some level is med medicinal as well. Just, it just gives you a different perspective. And like you said, if you're with a handful of friends that you feel safe with, there's this camaraderie that builds and the idea that you're sharing this thing together on a level that you don't normally get to be at. It's, it is, and I think it speaks to the, the relationship, the maturing relationships as we move through life. You know, when you're younger, you're going to concerts. When you're younger, you see the world a certain way. So perhaps the medicines, the mushrooms, the, perhaps those particular substances influence us in a different way, a more playful way. And then as we get older, the deeper contemplation begins to set in. So as do the changes and preparing us for later parts of our life. It's, it's an interesting cycle to think about. I'm always curious to hear people's perspective on it. Yeah, I think your your insight is is profound, and this this also this aspect of of, of maybe getting getting burnt. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I, a a really potentially it was it was traumatizing experience. I went to the uh, Grateful Dead show. They came back here in Chicago. First night, uh, we were I mean, both nights we were eating mushrooms. Like, and, and this is before I was. Uh, you know, did my research and and sure. uh, really really knew what the heck I was doing. We were eating mushrooms like like potato chips, <laughs> and and um, you know I'd go to the you know Soldier Field and 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 uh, the Dead and Company uh, playing this incredible you know just feeling this 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 level of bliss and euphoria and, and this this taste of enlightenment that I that I never felt. Um, and and the next night to have a a night that was as beautiful as the Friday night was that, that Saturday night, uh, was, was as hellish as the Friday night was heavenly and, you know, <laughs> learned not to take a hit off of people, a random stranger. <laughs> Just don't do that when you're on, uh, four or five grams of mushrooms. And, and that set in motion, what had the potential to be a, a very psychologically damaging event, which is ignoring set and setting and the directives that are so much a part of our society right now. Mm -hmm. um, but that experience kind of scared me straight. Like that, that was a horrifying experience to be incapacitated and stuck. And, um, you know, so in my head for the, these, these many hours and missed like half the show. And, um, yeah, you know, to, to, again, playing with fire when we're kids we, we we get burned we put our hand on the stove we learn and and um you know sometimes i think that that that's the case also with psychedelics is that we need to have a a pretty harrowing experience before we'll 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 get the message and be like all right yeah we i do need to, to actually listen to my intuition and respect these medicines on a deeper level yeah it's interesting to find yourself in those in those spots because you begin to have empathy not only for 
the medicine, but for other people, like, oh, I get, I could see why someone would lose it right here. Like, I want to lose it. Like, I don't even want, I can't stop thinking about this thing that I hate. It makes me want to do horrible things. Like, I just, you know, for me, when I get in that spot, like, I, and I think that that spot is on some level, it's a sweet spot. Not because it's pleasurable, but because it forces you to sit with pain that is very uncomfortable. For me in that spot, I found that saying something along the lines of this too shall pass and just trying to hold that thought, no matter how horrible it is, just try, trying to hold it for a minute. Okay, this is, I'm going to think about this for a while. Okay. Yep, that's true. I did do that. Mm -hmm. I'm not proud. You know, but like if you can, and that's hard to do because you think horrible things sometimes, you know. But if you try to push it away in that state, it just intensifies it. What 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 are some tips or some tricks or what what was it that you used in order to get through those those tough zones when you're in a psychedelic state and it's pushing on you like that? I think that the the breath, of course, is so mm. important, and that's the focus now. And I can't say that I was consciously like leveraging my breath at that time. I think that just learning from that experience and looking back and isolating the gaps of awareness and realizing, whoa, that wasn't safe. That wasn't good. That could have been a really, really bad outcome. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that was something that, that and then potentially reevaluating the, the, the people and the environments in which, um, where there was once a, 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 a vibe and an energy and, and, and a party, um, maybe I had outgrown that and, and other people, you know, that, 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 like I'm describing from that time, like we we've drifted apart, you know, there's, there's a growth path that I'm on and, 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 and maybe, you know, they're, they're on a fixed path or a growth path or the growth path is just a different path. I don't yeah. know. And, and I think everybody comes around in time and everybody's on their own path and, and, but, but not beating my head against this wall to try to change people and just accept like, Hey, and maybe I've changed. And, and sometimes these medicines turn into poisons too. Mm. So be mindful about like, all right, this this doesn't align with my values right now. This doesn't align, um, you know, getting together and um, and not leveraging these these medicines and these insights in an intentional manner. I think was a, was a big part of, of me drifting away from some of my other friends and and and, and going all in on this path of service. Yeah, and um, knowing that that it, it, I couldn't really have it both ways. And there's no right or wrong. I'm not not saying that I have the right way. It's just this is what works for me, and and this is what helps me sleep at night. And yeah, you know, I, I I drifted apart from from some old friends and made new friends that are more aligned with my my values, my vision, um, my my earnest aspirations to be of service to our collective awakening, to our global human family. I love the idea of the global human family and getting to see the similarities in people with whom you spend time with. Let me ask you this. In going to Costa Rica, it sounds like you've probably traveled quite a bit. However, when you go to Costa Rica to be involved in an ayahuasca ceremony, is there a feeling of anticipation or a, maybe a, a feeling of unknowing or uncertainty or you know, you're going to a foreign place to ingest something that you know you've heard is going to be a transformative journey. Like, what are the benefits and maybe some of the consequences of going to a foreign place to have a transformative journey? Yeah, I've uh, given a lot of thought to this, and and how much of the 
transformative journey is just getting out of the country, <laughs> and, and getting out of the busy day to day. And, 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 uh, you know, Mark Manson, I think says it best that travels the most powerful self-development tool because it, it extricates us from the values of our culture. And we can see another culture living in harmony without the same values. And, and it makes us question our values. And, um, I know for me on my, my journey that my European travels has been, I mean, that, that, that spirit of old world romance in Europe, that is totally, and that lights up my heart. Just talking about, just thinking about that because we, we're out of balance here in the West work-life balance. We're, 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 it's sick. We're sick. You know, half of our vacation days go unused. Like that's fucked up. It's like, use your gosh darn vacation days. You work hard for it and we don't want to burn out and, 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 and to, to not feel the worthiness to, to take that or to feel like we'll be rocking the boat or to be so greedy that, that, that we, we won't um, acknowledge that. But yeah, in terms of ayahuasca, ayahuasca is a powerful, powerful, powerful healing ritual. And for me, it, it opened up my nervous system and allowed me to access memories from and traumas from my, my youth and to process and to um, recontextualize those, those hurts. And yeah, I think that, it, that it's, a, it's a powerful intervention. Um, personally, I haven't been back to the medicine since February of 2018 and the, the phone's not ringing anymore. So I'm not gonna answer a phone that doesn't ring. And, uh, and my last ceremony was, was really, I mean, she, mother ayahuasca roughed me up pretty good and made it very clear. You don't belong here. You've got enough to integrate for a whole freaking lifetime and, and you don't belong, do your work, stop bypassing and, and, um, you know, being on this hamster wheel of medicine, get off the, off the wheel and, 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 and bravely confront doing the work that you're here to do. But for someone that's struggling in trauma or struggling in depression, um, this can catalyze a wondrous journey of healing and self-discovery. Recontextualize. That's such a great way to put it. You know, I, heard, I hear people say a uh, different perspective or a different understanding, but maybe you can, you, can you maybe unpack what recontextualize meant for you? Yeah, maybe uh, recontextualize, reframe, um, yeah. you know, uh, needed, uh, desperately needed objectivity that we get <laughs> from, from these, these uh, states of consciousness, um, the, the healing and forgiveness and the compassion, the en energetic catharsis that comes from this helps us look at these experiences differently. The traumas that happened to me in my youth, they're still in my nervous system, but I don't look at them as a bad thing now. I've created so much expansion uh, from that. And, and I've actually utilized that, that there's a ton of fuel in our traumas, in our past hurts. I love Dr. Gabor Mate's directive, you know, of, of uh, you know, inviting us all to liberate the energy of trauma into the energy of life. And we can transmute that energy and use it as fuel. And now I use the, the, my, my trauma and, and, you know, I still have anger and I still have rage and, and I, I channel it though. I channel it into my workouts. I channel it into, um, you know, again, fitness and, and being the best version of myself and, I, and, and, and using that as fuel to level up my game, to be, to, to, to push my edges. Um, but yeah, again, you know, changing the way that we look at it again, reframing, recontextualizing um, and potentially even leveraging those those past hurts and not staying away from them but every day leaning into it 
and and knowing that again there's there's a ton of energy in our past hurts and and we can catalyze that to be healthy happy and strong i believe in my heart of hearts that that agree to which we lean into the darkness our pain the adversity the traumas in our life are the very same degree to which we can stand and share and love in our light. So just reframing the whole idea. I think society doesn't want to go near the darkness, doesn't want to go near trauma, uh, but saying, hey, if you want to live your best life, then you don't really have a choice. You've, you've got to go to that place. Yeah, it's, did you find that th that particular instance of contextualization and, and getting to see the traumas in a different way. Were you able, was it a, was it a sea change in using the idea of reframing? I guess what I'm trying to say is once it happened in that state, were you then able to use that technique in other things? Or were you always able to recontextualize? Perhaps it gave you a next level of contextualization, but were you, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I think that there's there's some um, empowerment that comes from yeah. these, these healing journeys where we can, if we can reframe one thing, then we can reframe yes. struggles. And this is what Viktor Frankl's like, you know, man's last, uh, you know, the, I'm butchering the quote, but this the, the, this ability to 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 choose, um, you know, and how search we, for meaning. Yeah, how we approach something that we have the yeah um, ability. I, I'm totally butchering the, the the quote right now, but uh, yeah, no, that again that we have have the you know that are the attitude that we bring forth we, we have a choice with that and if and if you know victor frankel and could bring a positive attitude and, and a positive spin towards a concentration camp yeah. then then hey you know we can always shift the frame on something that we're struggling with and find the blessing within it yeah in life you can't choose what happens to you but you and you alone get to choose the meaning of that event and no one can ever take that from you there's the power right there it's it's interesting to do you, when you, obviously you're well-read and you have, you, you help out a lot of people in the coaching that you're doing and, and with the new book coming out, do you, what is your philosophy? Do you see us? And by us, I mean the human species as like a super organism or how do you navigate the world that we live in? Is it, is that like the underlying, maybe what's your underlying philosophy? Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I do look that, and, and see that we're all part of this organism organism called mother earth guy mother gaia um i think we're all connected at some some level yeah. uh these psychedelic medicines help us feel that i think on a visceral level where we can feel our interconnectedness mm -hmm. and and as opposed to it being intellectual it can be emotional it can be uh, in our body that we can we can feel uh our tie to our brothers and sisters we can feel a tie to the natural world um yeah, we've we we're all again part of this 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 ecosystem, um, this 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 place, and and yeah. of course the psychedelics you know help us see that, and 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 when we see that we can be a little bit more kind to our brothers and sisters, and um, a little bit more gentle and and kind to Mother Earth too. Better stewards. Yeah, it, it's interesting that re the return to nature on some level. It's almost like the prodigal son, like we're returning home. I know for me. You know, growing up in San Diego in Southern California, I never really realized my attachment to materialism until I came to Hawaii and I began listening to myself talk to my friends back in California. I'd be on the phone and they'd be like, oh, I just got this new navigator, bro. Dude, I got this new boat, you know, and I, and that was me too. Oh, I got it here in Hawaii. But some of my roommates at the time, were like, 
your conversations with your friends are so so weird. I'm like, why? Like, you just talk about what you guys have, man. Like, I didn't hear you ask him once how he was doing. And I remember, like, when I moved to Hawaii and being out of the world in which I was, maybe being out of the conditioning that I had had for so long, I really began to see, like, this idea of, wow, I just saw everything so mechanistically, you know? And I, even the metaphors I use, like, you know, were the the the, the Cardian machine or you know, we, and everything was a number and how well that aligns with monetary gain when we see assets and numbers and this column and that column. And, you know, you start building a relationship with psychedelics and nature and you realize on some level that when you quantify everything in a, in a number setting, you're really stripping the humanity out of it. You're really stripping the natural beauty away from it. Have you, like, is that something that you noticed too in the, in your move from this giant corporate world where things are quantified and looked at as an asset or did you, have you noticed that too, when you shifting back to this new natural order of things? Yeah. Yeah. I just, um, I think that seeing that more clearly what yeah. serves my path and my healing and, and my service mission and seeing what doesn't and isolating what I affectionately call the bullshit incorporated limiting beliefs <laughs> programs. Uh, BS Inc. I love the term coined by Stephen Pressfield and there's, it's so pervasive and, you know, there's so much nonsensical programming out there that really only serves to, uh, dull our spirits and, uh, yeah, so much useless nonsense and, and BS. And, and, and I would fancy myself as a minimalist and, and essentialist, you know, I like things, but I, I, I like things that, that, that are useful and that, that help me serve my and again bring forth the work that i'm here to do and help me be the man that i'm here to be um but again taking that kind of essentialist mindset of if it doesn't serve cut it it's bs it doesn't you know and being ruthless with that because there is so much uh, again nonsense and and i used to be so over enamored with material goods and uh cars and um having to show off vacations and watches and geez, I, I bought a $4,000 watch so I could get laid. And it was like, <laughs> that. and, um, and you know, it's, it's, yeah, just again, realizing that these are just things, uh, they don't, don't, um, either not good or bad. It's the, it's, it's, it's the frame that we have towards them. Mm. Um, but a, a lot of it is, is excess that, that again, um, only serves to get in the way and, and to dull and dampen our spirits. Yeah, there's some there's another quote I like that says when you're ready the teacher will show up. And you've been doing a lot of coaching and, and I think that I think that people are drawn to certain people for certain reasons. And especially when you're a mentor or a leader, a certain type of people will be attracted to you. Who are the people that are attracted to you that are coming to you to to seek out some of the things that you're doing? Yeah, thank you for that. Uh disenchanted <laughs> high achievers. Um, you know, the people that are, are stuck in the BS mm -hmm. and, and, um, you know, people that have followed obediently the rules of society and like me, um, they, they, they're finding that the more that they follow the rules, the sicker they become. So it's kind of forcing their hand mm -hmm. and the pain threshold has gotten to a level where they can call BS on bullshit incorporated and, and our drug war programming. And, and, uh, yeah, as a microdose mentor, I've guided over a hundred people on the microdosing journey 
And it's been wonderful, a, a, truly a sacred honor to meet and greet people that are coming to this path. As a psychedelic author and podcaster myself, um, I, I've been, uh, I have a big presence on the app Meetup. I've got three uh, meetups that, that I have an audience of over 5,000 people in the Chicago, Boston, and Miami area. And I've hosted an insane amount of meetups uh, since the pandemic hit and a way to serve, a way to get the message out. Uh, but I'm learning and growing with my, my, my audience. And, you know, I, I host a weekly uh, Microdose Monday at 7 p.m. Central on Zoom every week. And, and, and again, you know, meeting people that are coming to this path with curiosity, with bright eyes after seeing, you know, the, the latest, you know, you know, thing on CBS about psychedelics or the, the reading up on the studies at Johns Hopkins about uh, what's going on with psilocybin or, or the, the, the MAPS clinical trials with MDMA assisted psychotherapy or the inspiring work being done at Stanford and or or how to change your mind or uh, the fantastic fungi. People are watching these and, and it's opening up their imagination of what might be possible. And uh, again, it's been really special to 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 greet them and 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 to uh, kind of usher them onto the path and to guide them uh, with best practices around integration, so people can more reliably get uh, you know potentially faster healing, um, but but to all, maybe. Uh, be able to see some of the pitfalls that, that that I didn't see because I didn't have someone there to point out the predictable pitfalls of this of this path. Yeah, and you you have interviewed James Fademan and some some really incredible people in the space, and a lot of people maybe not a lot. Some people are familiar with the Fademan protocol. Some people are familiar with the Stamens protocol. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the Simpson protocol. Yeah, the Simpson <laughs> protocol has been um, just adhering to the Fadiman protocol. You know, he's the godfather of microdosing. He's been at this since the 1960s to think, holy cow. <laughs> was, I believe it was 1966. He was dosing people with LSD in creativity studies mm. that, that to this date are the, the, the most profound psychedelic and creativity studies um, that have ever been conducted. And yeah, you know that that his citizen science and the way his his directed the way that he's been able to aggregate all of this data, um, I believe over two thousand reports from fifty one countries, ages twenty one to ninety four, uh, what people are microdosing, what they're microdosing with, and how he's been able to disseminate really a landscape um, and a container for people to operate and and for coaches to operate in. Uh, so so I'm I'm taking a a page out of his his book. Um, you know, but, but I guess I've, I've got a little bit of a spin and, you know, there's, there's the, there, there's the microdosing that, that people are doing and, and yeah, they're finding results. They're, they're, they're overcoming depression. They're deepening their spiritual connection. They're, uh, boosting their mood and energy levels. That's the hallmark of the microdosing experience. But then there's the magic in microdosing. And, and that's what, what, what I've been facilitating and I've, I've guided over six um, uh, masterminds in the last two years, two and a half years. And uh, again, uh, over a hundred people on this journey. And, and, and for me, the magic in microdosing is when we're in, embarking on this sacred journey with a very, very clear intention. Why are we engaging arguably the most powerful medicines on earth? What defines a success? What are we seeking to, to co-create with the sacred plant medicine? And then uh, putting in the work in the day-to-day -day with also stacking, in addition to the microdosing, we're also stacking integration practices of an earnest commitment to meditation and stillness, 
even if it's 10 to 20 minutes a day to start. An earnest commitment to contemplative journaling, even if it's five to 10 minutes a day to start. Uh, an earnest commitment to moving our bodies. We all have 37.2 trillion cells that are screaming at us to get a move on. You know, if you'd asked me this five or six years ago, I would have said, everybody has to do yoga. And I would have been a dogmatic ass. Um, yoga is a powerful integration strategy. I love yoga. I did my yoga teacher training, but it's just one of many. You know, some people like to dance. Some people like to cycle. Some people like to run. Some people do weight training. And uh, however, which way, just move your body and, and have that kind of mindset around a movement practice. And then when people want to take it to the next level, also incorporating some powerful breathing strategies. The Wim Hof method is a powerful, powerful method. So we have this boosted neuroplasticity from the microdosing, and that's going to allow us for the potential of rapid habit adoption. Maybe we adopt a new habit or two new habits in the 10 weeks that we're microdosing. And maybe we disrupt another habit that is really giving us fits where we're leaking tons of energy. So there's that, I invite that possibility to your audience and to anybody listening that, that there is that, that opportunity for, for habit, uh, for rapid habit adoption and to leverage these medicines to deepen into these practices. And I always say, if we're doing this work correctly, we won't know where the benefits are coming from. Is it coming from the microdosing or is it coming from the meditation? Geez, there's tens of thousands of papers to support that meditation's good for reducing or increasing focus and reducing stress. Uh, we all know that exercise is imperative for, for physical health. And, and, and now we're talking about it more for mental health. Uh, we know that contemplative journaling is good for us. Uh, we know that breath work is good for us. And uh, again, leveraging the medicine to deepen into all of those. So we're stacking all those potential benefits on top of each other. Man, that's so awesome. It's, it's clear to see why the Simpson protocol can be a game changer. It's, you know, there's something I'm fond of writing as well. And there's a weird thing that happens when you get into that flow state. It's almost like you're inviting something bigger than you to co-create through you. It's an amazing feeling. What did you, is that something that you feel? Or maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, worth the fight and the process of writing, be it journaling or be it writing or book or, you know, but just your relationship with writing and how that's affected you. Oh, uh, the, the journaling has been so profound on my path. Um, that, that, yeah, that, that it eventually escalated into th a 308 page psychedelic integration program where I kept writing, it kept feeling so good. And this catharsis and, and getting the thoughts out of my left brain chatter, putting them on the paper, looking at them with more objectivity, with more compassion. And, uh, and, and what that has meant to, to my path is there's just no way to quantify how, and I think that the journaling is the most powerful tool. Um, most powerful integration tool that we have. And, you know, people are, are, especially as men in our society, we've been shamed to feel emotions since we were five years old. So I, I do notice that, that, that some men can, can struggle with this and, and women too. Um, but, but yeah, this is a way that we can help to leverage the, 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 the medicine and the way that the, the microdosing and psychedelics, I believe, they, they take uh, what's on the back burner of our mind into the front burner and we can feel safe to, to engage it. I so often hear from my microdosing clients, they can struggle better or do the hard thing. And so again, you know, a little bit each day, we're processing whatever our blockages are, whatever's in the way of our, 
our, our, our mind, body, spirit, harmony, whatever's at root for our dis-ease is going to come up. It's going to come up during the, 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 the 10 week magic and microdosing journey. And there's going to be an opportunity to process and to work through. And as, as Dr. Fadiman says, awareness heals. We can bring light into these dark crevices of our heart, of our soul. Yeah, it's on some level, I'm enamored by the idea of putting your thoughts on paper because it's one thing to hold them in here. But it's another thing to see them out here. It's almost it's almost takes us back to the idea of reconceptualization. Like you get to see your thoughts. When you get to see your thoughts, it's very difficult to push them away. <laughs> is, I found that. Have you found that to be true? Yeah, yeah. And to your point, this is a, a great point that I just heard a few months ago from a, a client of mine, uh, Ryan, who had said himself he, he had never journaled before our work together. And he got to the point where he was doing 10 to 20 minutes a day, sometimes even more of the journaling. And he had said something really profound. We were unpacking, uh, you know, some of his experiences. And he said that, that, that if he, when he puts pen to paper and he journals, whatever's going on in his mind, those thoughts become real. Otherwise he admitted that he can ignore those all, all day long till the cows come home. He just, he, they, 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 they're not real until he puts pen to paper and, and takes time to slow down and acknowledge them. And I think that that's so true for, for many of us that we're just, that we have this capacity to ignore sometimes reality, you know, ignore our reality of what's, what's happening and, and, and our resistance to want to confront some of these these traumas, some of these these pains, um, some of these tough conversations that might be looming, that might be heavy on our heart. Yeah, we don't want to go near those places. Um, but I think that if we're if we are earnest and 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 we want to do this work and we want to do it right, that that embarking on this journey, knowing that the journaling is extraordinarily powerful, we don't have to have it all figured out. You know, we can start with with five minutes a day to start a half page. When in doubt, we lean into some gratitude and there's, that's not woo woo uh, anymore. That's positive psychology. There's loads of scientific data to support that gratitude is, is uh, good for everything that we're seeking more of and just take time to, to, to be present and, and, and to trust that in time, you know, perhaps we can, we can deepen that and that, that um, we could potentially mobilize those answers to those challenging situations. They'll come to us in, in divine timing, I believe. Yeah. The way, one of the ways I heard it put best was when you talk about it's a dream, when you envision it, it's possible. When you schedule it, it becomes real. And that act of writing it down is like alchemy. It's you're transmutating this thing that's in the ephemeral and you're bringing it into the world. You know, whether it's business, whether it's something in your life, whether it's a relationship that you want to happen, it's, it's a phenomenal process. And, you know, I, I, I've been speaking to a lot of people and, and maybe it's, I'm fortunate enough to get to speak to all these people that are on the cutting edge and trying to create this new world we're emerging into. But on my, it seems like there's this quickening, like there's something happening right now. Do you feel that same thing too? Would you say quickening? Can you elaborate? Yes. I feel like the, the things in which I want to bring into my life are happening, happening at an accelerated rate. And I'm not sure if it's something that like I see happening in my life and I'm just, projecting onto other people, 
but it seems to me that I'm seeing transitions happen in a way that I have. Maybe it's a, just a perspective I have that's different, but that's, that's no, the foundation no. behind the question. I, I think your your um, your awareness is 100% accurate with uh, our consensus reality. And this brings up um, Stephen Kotler, who's one of the big thought leaders in the space. He wrote Stealing Fire. Uh, he paired up with Peter Diamandis to write The Future is Faster Than You Think. And here we are, this like lightning quickening of the future. It's here. And, and, and there's no turning back. And this brings up, um, I believe, uh, he, Kotler had, had, had quoted uh, in his book or had, had, had referenced uh, Ray Kurzweil, the director of engineering at Google, who's largely revered as one of the preeminent visionaries of, of our time. You know, geez, he's a, the engineer at Google. And, uh, and, and he's forecasted, I think his forecasts have been almost spot on, like 90%, 95%, something like that. And he's forecasted 200 years of innovation. And this is from um, starting, I think, the 2020. So 200 years of innovation from 2020 to 2030 um, in, in a packed into a 10-year period. So that's going from the Industrial Revolution and back twice that we're going to have that profound of, of technological advancements and it's happening now and we're seeing it with AI, we're seeing it, everything is speeding up and it's fast and it puts a lot of pressure on all of us to make sure that we can regulate our nervous systems and that we're taking time for self-care and, 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 and it's this, this technology is likely fueling some of the major challenges that are on our front burner boiling over are, are the state of our politics, uh, you know, the environmental crisis, ecosystems dying, social injustice, all of it, our mental health crisis, and all of it's happening at the same freaking time, which is like, whoa, it's all, it's, it's, it's scary, but then also beautiful. Like, hey, this is long overdue. We're trained. We're ready for this. I think the psychedelic medicines, they, they teach us to be ready for this. Um, but it does put a lot of pressure on us all to, to take time for self-care and taking time to unplug and taking time to tend to our nervous systems. So we can, cause we're playing the long game. We're just scratching the surface here. Yeah. It's that's, thank you for that. I, 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 thank you for that. I see radical changes in people's lives. And I think that on some level, the world is pushing people to re-engineer themselves, their thoughts, their lives, and it's inviting them to do it before it forces them to do it. You know what I mean? Like the same, like if when I when I speak to you and I see the journey that you're on, hey, here's an opportunity for you. Like I think the world is taking people, like, here's an opportunity, here's one, here's one, here's one. When will you have the courage to take that step? And it is scary, but I want everybody listening to this to hear this idea that the world, in my opinion, is conspiring with you. It's showing you these opportunities because you have the strength. All you need to do is just take a baby step towards it and then the next step and then the next step and you will see your life unfold in a way you couldn't imagine. And I, I think the world's inviting people to do that and psychedelics are a part of it and technology is playing a part in it. What, when you see people that may be afraid of uncertainty, because that's a big deal, how do you help guide them through that? Yeah, you know, one day at a time. 
Yeah, um, totally. Easing into this process, we 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 can't have it all figured out. Um, we just snap our fingers. This is a um, when when we make the commitment to the journey through the heart. It's a long, arduous journey. Uh, it's challenging, uh, but I challenge that the rewards are infinite, and there there's a depth of meaning and purpose and. Um, you know, the feeling in our bodies that, that is what I write about in Worth the Fight is this beyond love that mm -hmm. I came across in Costa Rica. And, and it's within all of us. And yeah, it's scary. And, and it's hard. Um, but, but, you know, just again, like you said, kind of leaning in, taking that first step, and then that second step, and trusting that the, 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 the resources will come to you in divine timing, that, that things will come to us so, so we can tackle or confront whatever's in our path and just having that trust, having the faith that we're, we're ultimately that we're worthy of yeah. what we see. Yes. I think that that's the biggest thing that I'm seeing mm -hmm. the common thread that gets in the way of, of, um, the people I'm working with is, and, and I struggle with it too. Geez, yeah. I read a gosh darn book about worthiness, you know, worth the fight. And I still struggle with my personal worthiness that I'm worthy yeah. of my big dreams. Um, but again, all that's required is each day we just show up and do our best. And, and if we get in the habit of doing that consistently, this, um, the benefits and, and, and what we're doing and, and uh, is like compound interest. We can't really see it happening at, at, while we're in it. We can't see the forest. We're in the trees. But then we have ahas when we're a month in or two months in and like, whoa, I'm not having that negative conversation anymore. Whoa, I'm having that conversation. I'm handling things differently with my loved ones. Uh, mm. Whoa, I feel so much clarity about the work that I'm here to do. Oh my goodness, I feel so much positive energy in my body that I'm that I'm that I'm you know utilizing towards a better cardiovascular health, and I'm just feeling better and I'm sleeping better. All these, I invite all those possibilities. I'm having different relationships with my loved ones. That's a tough one because sometimes when you find yourself on the cusp of change or changing the way you model reality, you come to the realization that the relationships you're in aren't the relationships you were in yesterday. You know, there's a lot around that. And sometimes it's, it's very difficult for you to explain this new world you have to someone that you've been in a relationship with for a long time. They may not want to change. They may not be ready to change. Is that, have you ever bumped up against that in your life or seen people that have? Yeah, I think that, that you're, you're getting at something really, really big here. Um, they, you know, yeah, we're, we're having this healing and we're on this growth path and, and we have this visionary experience where we can see the best version of ourselves. Yes. And um, so we have this belief. We have this like kind of seeing is believing. You know, we have this vision like, all right, um, if I can see it in my mind's eye, I know that I can create it. It might take some time. I think the book Stealing Fire is the best resource for this and understanding that, hey, yeah, we might have a vision, but it might take you 20 years to create it. So slow your roll a little <laughs> bit. And they cite, you know, um, I think they call it Jerusalem syndrome, that that many people that are on this, people that go to the, the Wailing Wall and, and uh, you know, they have this experience and and uh, there's a certain portion of them that, that it's such a profound experience that they almost have a psychotic break that instead of having this like Christ consciousness of feeling this infinite depth, they think they're Jesus Christ. And it's like, they, they even say that a line clear the decks, everyone I've got work to do, you know, it's like, and that's a dangerous mindset to have um, because it's a journey and, and, and yeah, we can have this beautiful vision, but we have to ground it into the day to day. And yeah, we're making these changes to, to answer your question around, um, in relation to our loved ones, and maybe they're on a fixed path 
and maybe they they're they're happy with things the way that they are or their ego is convinced that that, that things are the way that they are and they're not in any position to want to change or move and 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 our growth and forward action uh, is threatening to them because it's we're, we're kind of subtly calling them out even though we're not you know we're, we're, our actions speak louder than words and 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 so examine them to take take inventory of of their behavior and how they're spending their energies and and yeah i think that that's a big it's a big challenge uh and i remember you know coming back from back in 2015 and, and integrating this into society uh, and into my relationships and and there was a little bit of righteousness i thought that i'd found the way i thought that ayahuasca was the way and and and, and i there was some dogmatic you know that that it was really turning off my loved ones and 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 i and they called me on that and and i examined that and and to realize hey i mean everybody's on their own own journey and and to um you know again have the presence to 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 try my best to meet the world where the world's at and my relations where they're at but also being ready to potentially let go if if need be mm-hmm. if i'm you know, outgrowing a, a relationship. I've had had friendships that have kind of fallen off to the wayside, and and you know, it it it's painful and it sucks to go through. But it's it's life, and and that and I invite the possibility that that when we bravely do that, we clear the energetic space for new things to come mm-hmm. forth that are more aligned. And I'll tell you right now that I you know got so much goodness going on in my life, and I attribute that a lot to my inner circle is is tight and and the people that are they're, they're with me. You know, as opposed to the, you know, kind of not knowing where I stand with people that I care about and then having them in my inner circle and having people that believe in me and encourage me and, 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 and don't, um, I don't feel like I have to dull my light and dampen my light in their presence. And um, that's been really, really powerful. But, but yeah, this is, I think one of the big challenges is that people, um, you know, because it's really hard, you know, integrating these and having tough conversations and uh, being open and honest and real and raw, uh, but this can be one of the big challenges of of this healing is is uh, how do we ground these energies into the into the day to day into our relationships? Yeah, that's that's well said. It's I guess that's part of the journey is is understanding that you're always changing, and thus your relationships to yourself, the planet, and the people around you are changing. Maybe the only thing you can really do is observe. You know, and, and that's where the, the learning and the healing comes in is, oh, this is happening now. Oh, this is happening now. Oh, this is happening now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love, love that. This, this, this is, this is something, and, and, and uh, I almost feel a little bit kind of uneasy uh, talking about it, but, but, um, cause I haven't tested this idea and, and I haven't really watched outside of 30 minutes on Netflix a few nights ago. There was this, uh, new documentary about the twin flame and and uh, mm-hmm. this what appears to be a cult. You know they're they're mm-hmm. they're calling it a cult and 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 you know and it's a love cult and they're 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 you know preying upon people that are, are struggling mm-hmm. in romance and and with breakups and are on this really dark place. They they're 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 lending an, an olive branch for them to come and find community and 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 a place and they're even promising and guaranteeing that people will find their twin flame and their soulmate and their love all this stuff and and like okay i'm kind of okay with 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 all of that um it's like whatever we live in a free market it's like do what you will uh, yeah. I, I don't like the necessarily vulnerable you know preying on vulnerable people when people are in a vulnerable position but this really rubbed me wrong the idea that a part of their directive was to um 
to have people sign off their loved ones. And, and they had a system for letting go, you know, this is your new soul family and, mm-hmm. and uh, you're leaking energy in your business relations or in your personal relationships. Yeah. This woman, she wrote a, a letter to her mom saying like, goodbye. It's like, no, you don't, you can't say that to your mom. She's your mom. And, you get your, and, and in doing that, you're bypassing this important work. Yes, you're doing this, this work. And yes, you found new friends. And yes, you're feeling love and you're having all this transformation. But, you know, turning your back on and, and, and not, I, I just don't think that, that it, it reeked of spiritual bypass mm. and it reeked of, of just this, you know, kind of cult-like, uh, mindset, which can be really, I think that we have to, we have to be vigilant about that. Jamie Wheel talks about, you know, in his book, the, you know, recapture the rapture about ethical cult building. And that's not ethical to, to, to tell people to, um, that they have to give up their, their friends and family and, and, and to, to, to shortchange the, the, the really difficult, challenging relationships of, of, inter- of, of having those tough conversations yeah. with ones and leaning in and um and maybe robbing themselves of the benefits of that you know mark manson i love the way he says that conflict builds trust so when we have these real raw conversations with our friends and loved ones and family members that has the 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 opportunity to foster a deeper intimacy it's a strange paradox but yeah. like it's real raw like hey you know at least we can trust people afterwards it's like hey i know you're speaking from your heart i just gave you my best and um you know that 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 could help to foster a, a bond and a connection, uh, or or to repair a bond or connection. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. That's another sort of cyclical pattern that I'm beginning to see, and maybe it's because I like to see patterns everywhere because I'm a pattern recognizing machine. But you know, I, I was speaking with Dr. Erica Dick not too long ago, who is an incredible historian on the psychedelic movement, and we spoke about the way in which psychedelics were in this medical container in the late 50s before they escaped the lab and found themselves out in the 60s and this explosion of creativity and and, in amazingness but also fueled the fire to put the genie back in the bottle on some level and when you begin seeing you know maybe people practicing or or these cults popping up in ways it begins to echo some of the sentiments in the 60s where Hey, look at this thing. And, and, and the, the real problem to me is that these particular circles of, of ideas that may be harmful to people end up being the catalyst to try to put the genie back in the bottle on some level. Or they begin, hey, let's let's look at Charles Manson over here. Look at Jonestown. Look at this cult. You know, on some levels, I'm always leery when I start hearing about these things being put in out there and blown up on some level. Like, oh, is this way of coming? But on another level, like I just wrote a letter to Tesla Hey man, what do you think about painting some of these buses day glow and getting some getting some people on here and touring around a little bit? Like, where where's that part of the '60s coming? You know, do you see that particular cycle maybe moving into the '60s? This explosion of creativity, but what comes with it is maybe some of the the nefarious things too, as a cyclical part of this wave of psychedelics. Yeah, great great question. Um, from a macro level, yeah, the what I see differently here is we've got this exponential science around um, what these medicines are, um, they're tied to creativity and uh, how they can help us deliver our, our purpose, how they can help us, how they, they, these energies can be channeled and catalyzed 
we can use them as a catalyst and then we can yeah. channel them in the direction of serving others. And that that's going to, going to, you know, fuel entrepreneurship and that's going to fuel a conscious business or it has the potential to, and that's beautiful. That's, that's yeah. what we need. We need more people that are drawing a line in the sand saying, Hey, this is what I'm doing here to do. And, 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 um, you know, we, we've got the science of meditation, the science of breath work. We've got the objectivity of, of seeing where we missed the mark in the 50s and 60s, yep. in 60, 50s and 60s. So we have all of this that are lending for um, potentially a different outcome. But yeah, we don't know. They could try to put the, the genie back in the bottle. And I think that fear, um, I know for me, uh, and, and I've taken a little bit of a kind of a contrarian path. Yeah, I'm a microdosing coach. Um, but, but, you know, the, the, the high dose experience, um, I had three of them around the 2020 election. I was struggling, missing the yeah. mark, um, you know, three kind of three to four gram experiences spread out over three months, deeply informative healing, getting into my nervous system, helped me see where I'm missing the mark. Um, but, but holding de such love and reverence for these sacred medicines that I, I don't have a desire to, to blast off. Yeah. I'd rather be local. And do my microdosing and to deepen into my my practices my wim hof method the you know cold exposure fitness and weight training um you know has been such a blessing to do it's the first time in my life that i've actually been able to stay with that and it's just like oh it feels so good to do this and um you know uh, getting out in nature long walks i go for a lot of walks kind of mental health walks and uh you know working on my sleep and nutrition you know I've, I've flirted with the keto diet after uh, you know dr chris palmer's book brain energy and and that was pretty profound you know having a harvard psychiatrist basically call bullshit on the whole field of psychiatry saying we don't have an effing clue what we're doing with these pills sorry i'm just going to say what we all are thinking and uh, coming from harvard that was like yeah uh, <laughs> you know and and so so i guess my point is my long-winded point is is that um you know focusing more on the integration practices mm -hmm. and strategies and i get such a buzz and high off of serving my clients and and um you know knowing that there's so much at stake and and that, that all of us you know have I, I believe have a duty to walk this path with reverence and respect and to be stewards for these medicines we're on the cusp of massive massive potential changes very very soon with mdma assisted psychotherapy being an approved FDA gold standard cure for post-traumatic stress disorder and what that could potentially mean for the, 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 the millions of veterans that are struggling with mental health and post-traumatic stress disorder and the 8% of our population that has PTSD. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a different era and, um, yeah, you know, but yeah, maybe we need, uh, some, some, some Tesla buses that have, uh, <laughs> Well, uh, so we can have some fun with it too, and we can, and it's still happening from a recreational standpoint. Yeah. Um, and and you know, you know, maybe not taking it too seriously and being too rigid, uh, but that's just been what 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 I see and 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 how I'm living my life right now, and I feel really good. I've, mm. I've, I've never had more joy in my heart, and I've never felt better physically, and I, I sleep great at night, and I love what I do. So, um, yeah. You know, on the, on the on the topic of trauma in the medical container in which we find a lot of psychedelics, on on I'm kind of torn here, and I'd love to get your opinion. On one level, I think that the idea that everybody has trauma is something that can bring us together. 
Like, look, we all have this. We could, what's going on? Is this is this a symptom in the sickness, or is this a, a symptom of the sickness that's plaguing all of us? But is there a hierarchy of trauma? Like this person watched someone get shot in the face. This person, parents yelled at them too much. You know, I'm wondering, is there a problem with people embracing trauma and wearing it on the same level? What do you think about that? Yeah, great, great question. Great point. Um, we're all struggling with trauma yeah. right now, 2023 election season. It's a hard time <laughs> for, for everybody right now. Yeah. And there's no way around that. Um, the This comes to mind and, and, and why I'm so bullish on our veterans and, and I'm all in on, on serving our veterans. This idea that a subgroup population, part of our, our, our population here in the U.S. that knows honor, integrity, mm -hmm. they know courage. They just need medicines that work. All of them are leadership trained and, you know, they're, they're, they're white, they're black, they're, uh, you know, Latino, they're indigenous American, they're Asian American, they're uh, male, they're female, they're rich, they're poor, they're middle-class, they're, they're us. Yeah, and like so rallying around them, empowering them to push this edge so they can reinforce community resilience. If, if they can heal and get right after being in a real life hell in the Middle East, that's going to have a massive potential ripple effect for them to, to share their experiences and, and for, for them to, um, to show what is possible. And if, again, if they can heal and get right after war, real life hell in the Middle East, then that's going to help us all reframe whatever we're struggling with. And, and they can show us how to do it responsibly. And yeah, again, just kind of, kind of enforce that community resilience. And this could be potentially something that we can agree on. This is something that the left and the right agrees on. This is something that humbles our politicians to check their ego. It's so profound that it, that it, that it allows them to, to really root into a, a humanistic, uh, present, uh, peaceful, collaborative spirit that has been sorely lacking in our politics. So there's that opportunity now that 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 this could be a rallying point. And and I know that that uh, you know Dr. Randall Hansen, um, you know, in his wonderful book Heal, you know, he's he's he does a lot of work for the Heroic Hearts Project, mm -hmm. and um, his first book Triumph Over Trauma, um, you know, and and kind of sharing this this. Um, parallel path, parallel service mission. And there's a lot of people doing wonderful work here to, to disseminate this and, and to show that there's possibility and show that this is potentially a rallying point. This is something that we could come together on. And um, yeah, you know, we, we come together over what is shared and, and build around them and heal them. And, and, and maybe some, we can, we can have some collaborative efforts that will stem from this. Um, you know, and being in uh, psychedelic science 2023 uh, and seeing Rick Perry on stage, you know, the conservative Texas governor on stage with Rick Doblin and everybody hugging and like, like in brotherly love and, and, and Governor Gerald, uh, Jared Polis of Colorado, a, 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 a gay white man, you know, it, it, like see everybody, very progressive thinker and, and, and the, the liberals and the conservative, everybody's getting along for this common goal of, of healing our veterans that are really struggling. It's really bad. They're dropping like flies to suicide. We can do so much better. 
and seeing the potential uh, value here of, of what this could mean on, on, a, on a different level. Yeah, I love that. And I, it's nice that we have some common ground. Like how, how can you move forward until we can start agreeing on things? And what a great thing to begin the conversation with. Matt, love the conversation. It's, it's always, it always makes me feel good inside when I start a conversation. I'm not sure where it's going to go. And it just ends up being like a heartfelt hour and a half of awesomeness. So thank you for that. But before I let you go, like, what do you have coming up? Can you tell us a little bit more about the book? Where can people find it? Where can people find you? Yeah, thank you. Um, the my 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 book Worth the Fight. You can find it worththefightbook.org. That's my website. Uh, I'm on Instagram at worththefightbook. I do host a a, um, a psychedelics and limitless personal growth meetup where I do a microdose Monday every Monday at 7 p.m. Central on Zoom. You, everyone's welcome to come and to learn and to learn not just from me disseminating best practices like the magic and microdosing we were talking about, but to also learn from their brothers and sisters that have gone ahead on the journey. I love it because again, it's not just me go, rambling on and on and on about, they're, they're getting to learn from, from people that have gone ahead and gone on the journey and, and have had positive experiences. And they can speak from the heart about where they've been and, and how microdosing has helped them. So it's got this really strong community vibe um, very excited to share uh, Heal, of course. Um, you know, Dr. Randall Hansen, uh, you know, uh, was gracious enough to to invite me in to to uh, write the microdosing piece, and that was a, a an honor, a, a sacred honor to be able to to help. And and um, a former client of mine, Megan, uh, she shares her uh, experience um, actually while working with me as a microdosing client, uh, and about how she used microdosing to call in love and to find. Her um, her love partner, her intimate partner, and and she's in a year, year, year and a half later, she's still going strong, and she's got this wonderful partnership, and she's used microdosing to manifest love, and I love that idea. I mean, it's hey, this is a powerful medicine, yeah. and and there's no intention more aligned than saying, hey, I want to meet my, I want to meet my person, and to use this medicine because this medicine wants us all to be healthy, happy, and strong and to be doing the work that we're here to do and connecting on a deep heart and soul level. Um, and outside of, of that, you know, I, I, I've, I've got some other creative ideas that are in the works. I've got a podcast too, uh, Worth the Fight podcast. We've got 100 episodes in. Um, you can find that uh, on my website as, as well at worththefightbook.org. Um, you know, just just focusing on on you know serving the the, the clients that I'm, I'm working with right now and, and we'll let all of these... Um, other creative projects, we'll let them unfold uh, in divine timing. Um, probably too soon to, to, to talk about them uh, in, in, in clarity and, and, and depth. I think on your website too, I noticed you were giving away your microdosing manual too. For, were you giving that away for free if people? Yeah, there's a, a five page magic and microdosing manual, uh, eight mistakes you don't want to make. I outline <laughs> the predictable pitfalls that people make. And uh, it's just a five-page document uh, that, that can give people a, a teaser or a taste and really be a, a you know, for not everyone's going to have, be in a position to, to uh, want to commission my, my, my coaching or for, for coaching. And, and I wanted to put out some really good uh, content that can help somebody uh, navigate this journey uh, for free. Yeah, you're like giving them a micro dose of worth of the fight for free. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. 
<laughs> well, hang on briefly afterwards. I'll talk to you. I want to just talk to you briefly afterwards. But ladies and gentlemen, go down to the show notes. Uh, check out what Matt has going on. He has a really amazing podcast. He talks to some really cool people. Check out Worth the Fight. Listen to his story. And if it resonates with you, jump on the Zoom call. Check out the meetings and learn from other people in the community that he's building. Because that's what he's got going on is a really cool community around him. And so that's all we got for today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have a wonderful day. Aloha. Thank you, George. Thank you, George, for the work that you're doing too, you know. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true, but you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.